Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We have an exciting conversation today. The first full week of February is White Cane Week. Uh, the Canadian Council of the Blind has proclaimed it so, and in Canada, it is White Cane Week. And the point of White Cane Week is to raise awareness about vision loss and people who are blind or partially sighted. But today, we are going to take this quite literally and talk about our white canes. All things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny. So um, I'm really, really excited for this conversation. And uh, I'll start by bringing on our co-hosts, Nika and Ginny. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies. Hello. Hello. Glad to be here. Excited to talk about this today. Awesome. Yes, me too. So both of you use a white cane. Well, mm, Ginny's gone over to the dark side, but uh, Ow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sean, you were there once too. Okay. I do, I know that's true. So Ginny's now a guide dog user, but um, so Jenny, before you were a guide dog user, you were a cane user, correct? Yes. I was born blind. So all throughout elementary school, middle school and high school, and even for the first few years of my university career, I was a white cane user. Great. Okay. And Nika, how about you? Kind of similar for me as well. I was born with my visual impairment. So I started working with an orientation and mobility instructor when I was five. And I've been using a cane ever since. And now I'm 20. So I've, wow, I guess I've been using a cane for 15 years. Okay. That's a bit jarring. That definitely qualifies you to be part of this conversation. I'm not going to say how many years I've been using a cane, uh, <laughs> but it's a lot. And I'm so excited to have a guest with us today. My One of my oldest friends, um, who is also an avid cane user, Monty. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Monty, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your cane experience Sure. Yeah, I can do that. I have used a cane a lot longer than 15 years. Uh, So basically, I was born partially sighted. And at age eight, I went totally blind. So round about that age is when I started to use a cane. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier, and I think I actually got my first mobility cane probably about six months or so before I went blind. And so I had a little bit of uh, sort of both world situation going on for a while. And then predominantly I used it ever since then. And that was in 1983. So uh, do the math. I've used my cane for for a long, long time uh, since then. So I feel like I'm pretty happy with my white cane now, uh, but I definitely didn't always feel that way. And I'm curious a little bit about all of you and your thoughts on 
you know, when you, what was, how did you feel about your cane? And maybe it's different if you're introduced to it when you're five or younger versus myself, I didn't start using, well, I didn't even learn how to use a cane until I was in high school. I only used it at night or in the dark um, because I had enough vision that I could kind of fake it as sighted and really, you know, carried it around folded for a good decade. And it wasn't until my vision was really at the point where it was actually quite dangerous for me not to use it that I started to use it. So I definitely had some hangups around the cane. Uh, Jenny, what about you? I was going to say, I can definitely relate to a lot of what you're saying. Um, I did get introduced to it when I was younger, but a lot of the time I would see it as a school thing. So I use my cane at school, but then I hang it up on the hook before I go home. So it was never like introduced as a, you need to take this everywhere you go home, et cetera, um, to be, you know, kind of implemented into my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the big reasons that I never used it when going out with family or friends. Um, Or if I did start taking it home because they were like, you can't really leave this on the hook anymore. I'd come home from school and it would rest lengthwise underneath the car seats and there it would stay. Um, But it was never really seen as like an entire part of my life, which I find to be quite sad. I think even when I was a teenager, this was quite, quite the case until I started feeling a bit like, okay, I don't like this anymore. Or even, you know, let's say you're in a shopping mall and, you know, there's an emergency. You have to be able to have some way of, of traveling that doesn't revolve around another person that you're dependent on. And I think coming to Blind Beginnings was really the starting point of that for me because I remember having many conversations about that with you. And I think until that point, I just never used it. Um, Monty, what about you? Yeah, so if we think about a white cane as sort of having two main functions, so one is to facilitate independent travel, and the other function is to create awareness so that other people know that we're blind or that we have sight difficulties, right? So if you take two of those as as two separate components, uh, at the beginning, I kind of had a problem with both. So if you think about an eight-year-old, I either tended to be at home, at my grandparents' home, or in a classroom, I was in familiar places. So I sort of thought, well, I don't need a white cane. Like I know where I am, everything's familiar. Uh, So for that component, uh, I was lukewarm on using one. And then the second part of that awareness uh, from others, uh, I perceived that at the time and for a number of years afterwards is making me stand out or uh, making me in quotation marks, not feel normal. So, for those reasons, I wasn't a big fan of uh, the white cane. In fact, I remember just calling it a white cane, white cane, white cane. I didn't even want to call it a cane because to an eight-year-old, uh, a cane was something that old people used. So I didn't, I, I sort of had a problem with it all the way around uh, at first. And it probably took a couple of years, and I can kind of go into that uh later if, if you'd like but uh it took a couple of years to sort of get me on the path to uh to using the cane uh so for the first while i, I wasn't a big fan at all uh but uh once i got into it and once i was comfortable 
with both of those uh, aspects of using a cane, then it was just game on for the rest of uh, my life. That's a really good point about sort of the the function of letting people know that you're blind, which was definitely the part that I had a problem with as well. Like, well, if people know I'm blind, then they're going to treat me differently was my worry. So I think that using it for independence, I was all over that. That would have been fantastic, <laughs> but it was a trade-off. <laughs> it was like, I can be independent, but then risk people making assumptions about me, or I can just not go out <laughs> and no one's going to assume anything, but I'm also not getting going out. So, yeah, I think that's a very interesting point as well, because that's, you know, a lot like appearance, like that's a big thing in, in a visual society. And I think that it's automatic. It's just, that's the first thing they see. Um, unfortunately, is arcane. And what does that say? You know, I know that there's a lot of mis um, misguided beliefs surrounding the cane as well. Um, and even though the red and white uh, on a cane is supposed to symbolize specifically visual impairment, I totally agree that with Monty that the word cane just always put such a bad case in in my mouth um, when I, especially when I was younger, because a lot of people would would make that you know, fun of it or like, oh, you can use it as a crutch or, you know, you, you know, oh, you know, like an old lady, et cetera, you know, people would, would take it that way uh, because of the use of the word. What about you, Nika? What, what were your feelings about the cane growing up? Uh, I also didn't really like using it. And I think part of the problem was, is that there were people at my school who very much forced me to use it, but they weren't O&M specialists. So they kind of just said, oh, you have to use it. Or they'd yell at me for not using it without actually explaining why. So that almost made me kind of want to use it even less. And I remember I was begging my O&M instructor. I was like, my remaining vision is enough. I can I don't need one. And then she kind of had enough and was like, okay, we're going to do an experiment. You are going to walk without your cane. And if you can like actually do it and avoid things, then basically you don't have to use it. And it was just to see how much my functional, how much functional vision I had. And I was walking with my head down and I was walking very hesitantly. So that's kind of when she was like, okay, you do actually need your um, mobility cane with you all the time you do need to use it and I don't think I really got over this kind of dislike of the cane until I was maybe 14 or 15 and I think two things kind of helped with that um, the first is I for about a year and a half used a cane that was green on the handle and then the tip was green but then the rest of it looked like the standard white cane and I think kind of having that decorative aspect helped um and now I'm totally fine using just the standard like white cane and something else that also kind of helped with the confidence was also in our flash mob we used canes and that was kind of when I'm like oh maybe there's actually like benefits to having the white cane and maybe it doesn't have to necessarily hinder me all the time i love that and i love how your green cane was like the gateway cane <laughs> that got you more comfortable yeah yeah and then the elastic ripped and i could never use it again <laughs> um monty what was your process like how did you kind of get over this not wanting to use it 
to the point where you're kind of pretty much the most pro white cane guy I know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. And actually, um, hopefully this, this can, uh, hit home with some people that are out there listening. So I think I have to credit, uh, a lot of people, uh, my O and M instructor was, was very good uh, at the time for, um, showing me how useful it is, but my parents played a big role in this. And, uh, two things I specifically remember happening, probably not quite at age eight, as I said, but probably more like round about age 10 or 11, uh, Two things happened that, that I remember. Number one, uh, I had a conversation with my stepdad uh, around um, using a cane, and he noticed that I, I didn't really like to use it, and I wasn't using it uh, at school or in my social life. And he said, you know, Monty, uh, using your cane sort of equals independence. And if you're not using a cane, if you're being guided everywhere, uh, or walking with friends, then people are going to view you as dependent. And I, I don't know if that's the exact terminology he used with a 10-year-old, but that's essentially how it hit and how it landed. And he basically said that, uh, you know, if I didn't want to be viewed as dependent, then I better do something about it and start using my cane. And he encouraged me to, to always use it, even if I was being guided to have that cane there to sort of know what was going on in my environment outside of being guided, or if they sighted guide, obviously I was being guided by a lot of my sighted friends who were also 10 and maybe weren't paying attention. So I sort of started using it there. And uh, the other part of it, and I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but basically I sort of figured out early and often that I wasn't getting rides anywhere. So if I wanted to go play with friends or, you know, go do something after school, go to the corner store, go to the theater or whatever I wanted to do, I had to get there myself. And in the small town I grew up in, in, in Cranbrook, in southeast corner of British Columbia, there wasn't a lot of uh, public transportation options. In fact, there were none. The only public uh, transit options were were your feet. So you <laughs> had to uh, walk everywhere. And so I got very good uh, at, at learning where the uh, everything was. And, and essentially, if I wanted to get somewhere badly enough, I needed to figure out how to do that. And uh, that also then extended to traveling around the province to going to various uh, camps and sporting events uh, and things like that. I would have to go around the province and do that independently and use my cane. So really, it wasn't because I loved using a cane. I sort of just it was out of necessity at first. And then I think I started to thrive on independence and, and sort of really enjoying what sort of doors the, the using the cane opened. And, and yeah, I was probably self-conscious and for a while, and I thought people are looking at me more and, and stuff like that. But I, I think over time that became less and less of a concern and what became more of an asset was just the, the independence factor. And, and, it's interesting because, um, you know, I mentioned my O&M instructor and my parents, and I don't think I've ever really thanked them, or I don't know if they really know that that's made a big difference in my life, but it, it really, really has. And so, hey, if they're listening, then a big thanks. <laughs> that's cool. I It's funny because 
I remember the reason I asked to learn how to use a white cane was because of that not getting rides or getting the huff and the eye roll when I asked for a ride to my friend's house, which was walking distance from my house as a teenager. So I just, I thought, okay, I need to figure this out because I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with that. And, and then funny, of course, once I knew how to use a cane and I just would say to my parents, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Christine's house. I'm just going to walk there. They were like, no, no, we'll drive you. (laughs) So (laughs) they didn't, they didn't want me going out by myself. They didn't feel comfortable with that. And that's a whole other podcast topic, but, um, yeah, just that wanting to be independent was kind of what motivated me to like learn this skill. So I, I can relate to that. Nika, how about you? What what helped you kind of start to feel more comfortable using your white cane? Yeah, so kind of like what I mentioned is when I went to a summer camp, uh, one of the vision teachers kind of offered to basically help me figure out how to get a colorful cane. Right. Um, and the green cane really helped. And that was also just my favorite color. I felt really cool that I could kind of use my cane as a fashion accessory because I'm into fashion. So kind of at first shifting away from this is a kind of mobility device to this is an accessory really helped Mm -hmm. um, my perception. And then also when we did our flash mob, a huge part of it was the canes, especially like the tapping the different rhythms. And I think just kind of rehearsing for hours and hours with my cane also just kind of made me become more used to holding it in my hand and just Something I've also noticed is that when I go shopping, let's say in the mall, and before I took my cane with me, I feel like the kind of perception of me is, why is that girl always holding someone's arm or walking into things or walking with her hands out or kind of being very slow? Whereas when I hold my white cane and use it, people are kind of like, oh, she's blind. That actually makes sense. Maybe we should like kind of explain stuff and add descriptions when we talk to her so that also kind of helped maybe like kind of cited people had an explanation of why I was doing the things I was instead of just kind of wondering why is she like that yeah yeah totally I I was just going to add to Nika's first part there about shifting the perception and I think the narrative of we do really need to change I think the narrative of how we see and how we introduce canes because even when I was introduced it it was so we need to sit you down have a conversation about it this is something you always have to have with you do not lose it this is can you do you hear me do you acknowledge it whereas I think introducing it in a more here's your cane like you know just like a car like I don't really want to equate it to a car but just something similar as oh here like this is your to freedom or key to freedom rather than you know making the introduction an awkward one for the child totally agree it's like your rite of passage kind of yeah rather than the whole and you know sitting them down making it a big deal i yeah i often say to parents like the sooner you can introduce it so that it's just part of like you put your jacket and your shoes on and here's your cane and we're going outside it's just part of that whole routine then I I hope that maybe, and I don't, I don't know because 
I feel like, well, maybe there's a few kids old enough that I could ask now <laughs> that have been involved with blind beginnings sort of from the beginning. Um, but I would hope that it's no big deal then. Like they don't really have to get over this whole weird feeling mm -hmm. about using it. Right. Mm -hmm. So Sean, if I can just add to that too, if, if yeah. and maybe you had this similar experience, um, because you're part of this experience that I'm about to say, um, as a teenager, I, I was the only blind kid in the village or in the town. So yes. I didn't have a lot of other people to, uh, I don't mean as aspire to, but I didn't really have any examples either. Right. And if you remember, cause like Sean said, we've been friends forever. And I remember, you know, we would, you and I would hang out, uh, with each other or with other people as teenagers. And we would go around and, and any kind of apprehension I may have had sort of went away when, you know, four or five of my friends who I was with were, was also using a cane, you know, you felt totally. like you were standing out if you weren't using one, not if you were. Oh, that's really interesting. Cause we've had people come to our youth leadership weekends where mm -hmm. there's like 12 youth who are visually impaired or blind and kids who come without a cane have sometimes asked for one during the weekend because yeah. it sort of normalizes it. Right. It's like, you're, yeah, yeah. you are kind of the odd one out if you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I remember you, you didn't need to use one all the time cause you had a bit more sight then obviously. Right. And mm -hmm. I think you did use it more as, as time went on. I mean, yeah. it probably was due to, uh, you know, vision, but also just comfort probably improved. Right. I definitely felt comfortable when I was with other blind friends, definitely. And I didn't have any shame or, or icky feelings about it. Um, and I think as, as we got older, started to go out in the evenings, I had to use it at night. So that was, I, I did get to a place where I was comfortable using it at night or in the dark, but I, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely empowering when you're with other people. I remember one time somebody took a photo of Monty and I and another friend who was blind standing at a corner and they were just making this real big deal out of like, it's not every day you see three blind people together. Oh. <laughs> so let's talk about how the white cane is helpful. I mean, obviously it's helpful in, you know, seeing what's in front of you so that you don't trip and fall and stumble and bump into things. But I feel like it's been helpful in other surprising ways as well. And maybe amusing ways, like things that toys and things that fall under the couch or, you know, just like I, I'm always grabbing my cane to get things out of things uh, that have dropped behind places that I can't reach or all the time. I don't know. Do you guys do that? Yes. Yeah. If something falls behind um, the couch, you know, you just kind of stick it in there. Like, originally, I feel like I do it with a broom handle. But then when my cane is there and I don't have to hold, like, the dirty end of the broom, then why not just use my cane? Or sometimes mm -hmm. you can even put, like, the string end and try to see if you could hook it on the <laughs> item and kind of, you know, grab it out. I mean, that's usually harder. I tried doing that once at Walmart. Um there was a top shelf and, you know, we needed something off the top shelf. So we kind of make shifted my cane and tried to put the string around it to kind of lift it off. But um, yeah, that was not successful. I was going to say using it for high up items, especially since I'm really short is pretty, 
I have this like vague memory in PE class. Um, there was like a ball or a basketball or something stuck in like the hoop. Like it wouldn't fall through the like, basket. And I remember like my classmates were like, can you like give us your cane so we can try to like knock it down? You're the I, sixth, the sixth person on the team then. You're, that's, that's your role. <laughs> <laughs> who says blind people can't play basketball <laughs> um i used it as the i don't know what you call it but something to bash the pinata for my son's birthday yeah, like one year <laughs> yeah. or like a base well it'd be a very flimsy baseball bat but i've kind of used it as like a little like you know made hockey stick with my brother like you know you could you could use it for things like that too yeah, or my grandma always said, like, if you're ever in a situation that's dangerous, like, you basically have your own, like, weapon. Mm. True. Self I was defense. in a self-defense program where they were teaching us how to use our white canes as a weapon if we needed to. So that's that's true. So I use my cane as a measuring device quite a lot um, because oh. my cane is, is 60 inches or five feet uh, long. And so knowing that helps when I'm trying to measure distances to things. Uh, I do a lot of woodworking and stuff and uh, it comes in handy when I don't have my talking tape measure with me or rulers. Uh, I've also used it to uh, clear all the icicles off of gutters. Uh, I've used it to locate a smoke detector when I've needed to change the battery in a tall room with a really high ceiling. I've used it as a pool cue. Uh, before. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I've managed to use it in a lot of uh, different situations. And of course, yeah, if you need to sort of get into a tight situation like a um, uh, under a couch, that, that's quite helpful, too. Um, one other interesting one. Uh, I remember now this is not as possible now as it used to be. So just for those of you who don't know, white canes up until, I don't know, probably about 20 years ago, used to almost exclusively be made of aluminum. So they were metal, and now they're normally made of graphite or carbon fiber, um, which both have their pros and cons. So metal canes were a little bit stronger. And I remember I had a three-legged chair, and the legs were about the size of my folded-up <laughs> cane. And so when people come around and need the extra chair, I would just you know, rig it up and, and have it work. Now, that was fine with an aluminum cane. I don't, I don't think I could do that today because graphite is quite strong, but it's not quite as strong so uh, yeah. <laughs> that's great were you yes. doing this before they came in like did they know they were sitting on a chair with one dodgy leg <laughs> uh you've probably sat on that chair before so i don't know like, i don't think i went out of my way to tell anybody because it kind of worked like it literally it, it it i wouldn't say it was better than the original chair leg and <laughs> You know what I mean? I was definitely young and probably a student. I I wouldn't have a three-legged chair now. Like I would I would go down to my local Walmart and get one for three dollars. But at the time, you know what I mean? It it wasn't mm -hmm. quite as simple. So, you know, um, yeah, very, very uh useful in, in very strange ways. But it is interesting because now, yeah, I don't think you could do that as easily with a carbon fiber cane. So mm -hmm. I didn't even know they make canes that are 60 inches tall. Like your cane is taller than I am. <laughs> like a, a five foot, a five foot cane. I'm 410. Like I didn't even know something above 55 inches even existed. It does. Yeah, I they use go, it too. <laughs> they go to 62 inches, I think is the longest. And so uh, I will 
get that. But of course they do, they do kind of get a little shorter over time as your tip wears out. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's not exact. Um, but no, they are definitely different sizes and a, a quick story. If, if I can here, I, uh, this has happened more than once, by the way, but if you've ever been to a party with a bunch of blind people, oh, yes. uh, you don't want to be the last person there because what happens is blind people who, you know, maybe doing it by accident, maybe doing it on purpose. They may have had a few drinks, who knows? Uh, but people mm-hmm. tend to not always take the cane that belongs to them. <laughs> and inevitably, the last cane of the night is usually the shortest for some reason. And uh, that's happened more than once. So uh, my my thing is get to that cane pile first because you want your cane back. <laughs> that was like my memory from my very first, like, summer camp was oh whose cane is this oh um hmm, maybe we should measure hmm, okay let's line up yeah it's ah. funny how you can recognize your own cane even if it's the same as others right like you just know yeah. the way the get- tip was worn off worn down or yeah. the way the elastic is stretched out or whatever and yeah. you get so offended if you get the wrong one that's not mine <laughs> don't give me that one I or if you find that one that's nicer than yours maybe uh maybe it's time <laughs> to trade up <laughs> i'm glad i have a dog now i can avoid such situations um have you guys had people mistake your cane for something i've had a lot of people ask what is that or or just like ask me questions like mm-hmm. are you looking for your car or something <laughs> while i'm using it so clearly they don't know what it is or what it means but have you had people mistake it for something else um so there's an app called tap tap see where you can take pictures of different objects and it'll give you a description of what it is and I was kind of just using it for fun when I first got it and just took pictures of random things. And I took a picture of my cane and the description that it generated was image of a red, white, and black blind stick. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, I've seen that too, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> See, um, I had um similar thing but i was taking grad photos when i graduated from high school a couple years ago so i had like my little pointy hat and i had my robe and i had my cane okay so then i you know put the picture into the thing and it says wizard with rope and staff not not accurate because i guess (laughs) i can't even tell oh that's really funny (laughs) i uh I was uh, a teenager sitting at uh, the Greyhound bus station. So that's back when Greyhound existed. And a friend and I were both blind sitting on uh, a bench waiting for the bus to show up. And a lady came up and she was she was an older lady. but And the only reason I'm giving her rough age is because she should have encountered white canes occasionally. But again, this was in Cranbrook, so who knows. <laughs> but anyway, we're sitting there. I think we had our canes out right and she walks up and goes hey fellas catch anything and i'm sitting there going like at first i'm kind of like oh, my medical history is not that important like what are you talking about and uh and it turns out she thought they were fishing rods and uh without without fishing line apparently but uh yeah so that was probably the funniest one i would say that i remember oh that's good 
I mean, there's also all the things people call it, right? Your yeah. walking stick. I really hate it when people call it my walking stick. I went to the Paralympics, <laughs> damn it. I don't need a walking stick. <laughs> pull your, yeah, pull and stick. stick. Or sometimes they just, oh, they do that thing where they're like, do you want me to get your, yeah, do you want it? And right. I don't want to use the word. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> or, well, someone in my family, um, because English isn't her first language, uh, she doesn't get that it's called the cane and she calls it the kale. The kale? Aw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Well, I think that's probably the same uh, problem with the word blind stick. I mean, it's, it's probably someone <clears throat> from some, uh, you know, that doesn't speak English as a first language that, that mm -hmm. you know, described as that. Um, and you know what? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hilarious on one hand, possibly insulting on the other, but either way, at least, at least it's something. Do you still have the aversion to the word cane Monty? Is it, does it need to be called your white cane still? No, uh, I'm cool with calling it a cane. Absolutely fine. Um, what seems a little weird uh, is and, and we can get into this uh, later on because I have a, a story or two about this country. So I, I lived in the United Kingdom for a while, and I have some ties to there. And the cane in the United Kingdom, as you may know too, Sean, from from spending time there, they they call it a stick. And mm. to me, that sounds a bit funny still in my head. I don't think I would ever call it a stick because to me, a stick is a piece of wood that uh, grows on a tree. They actually, like the technical, like even mobility instructors call it a stick. Yeah, I mean, they would in, in sort of slang. Like, I don't know if it would. Yeah, I mean, even if you do a, like a Google search or something, like I've, I've did a bit of Googling today in preparation for today's show. And same thing. Yeah, they call it a stick. It's huh. funny and it sounds weird to me. So I would say I'm cool with calling it a cane. I, I, I don't think I would correct somebody for calling it a stick, but you probably wouldn't hear that phrase being used, whether it's mm -hmm. called a white stick or a stick. Interesting. It used to be made of wood, by the way. So I think that's probably where that came from. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I bet it was a stick initially, right? It was like some they were dude. pre what? It was either 1931 or 1934 or 44 or some sometime around there. That's when they started to become metal. Yeah, I guess you just use whatever you could find initially, and then they perfected yeah. it over time. I'm pretty cool with whatever anybody wants to call it, though. I mean, it's it's it doesn't change its function, right? So, mm -hmm. okay, let's talk about some funny stories about our canes. I feel like I can start us off with. Uh, so one time I went for a run, met up with my friend at at the park where we were going to run, and I stashed my cane in a, under a bush while we were running because I didn't want to hang on to it, and I really didn't think. I needed to worry about it and somebody stole it while I was running. <laughs> I was kind of amazed. Like <laughs> what would anybody want with a white cane? <laughs> I just, we looked everywhere and it was nowhere. And thankfully my friend also had a visual impairment and used a cane, but had more vision than me. So she let me take her cane so I could get myself home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that wow. was one. Oh, 
that's hilarious. And so someone now has a collector's item. I guess. Yeah. Or I don't know, like maybe they're panhandling on a corner somewhere. And I don't know. Why would you? Blind beginnings? Like, oh, the cane of the Sean Marsley? No, I don't think anybody knew who I was. I'm not that famous. (laughs) Definitely not. Well, depending on where they live in a lot of jurisdictions, especially in the U.S., it's illegal to use a, a white cane if you're not blind. Mm-hmm. So, or or with partial sight, uh, I don't know if that law exists in British Columbia or what the rules are across Canada, um, but um, yeah, they, there's a lot of laws in the U.S. that that sort of prohib- prohibits that. They also get uh, the right of way to cross a street, no matter what color the traffic light is in the U.S. And we oh, wouldn't that, that be no- here? Oh. Well, I don't know if you'd want to do it because you got to count on people seeing you <laughs> and stopping, Uh-oh. right? But then in a situation where you're not, you know, sometimes it's not, it's a quieter street and you don't know Mm -hmm. there's a light. Yeah. So if you're just going on, well, I guess if you're, I mean, and there's not a lot of traffic, so I could see crossing at a red light unknowingly needing to have the right of way in that situation. Right. But typically we have the skills and we know how to do something like that. So I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think that law exists here in British Columbia, though, because I've tried to look it up before. No, I, can't I don't find think anything. so. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Cross at your peril. So <laughs> I'm just going to tell this other story because it's kind of related because it's another, well, it's a broken cane story, but it's also funny. So I was in Metrotown Mall, which is a really busy mm. mall in Metro Vancouver. Uh, this was many, many years ago. And I walked into somebody, he, I don't know who walked into who, cause it turns out that he was also blind. Uh, my cane broke and, and then in the kerfuffle of the, I'm sorry's and excuse me's, I realized I knew him <laughs> and we worked in the same building at the time and he was with somebody. So I guess I probably walked into him cause he had somebody guiding him. So my cane was broken. I had to get back to, you know, I had to get back to buy another cane so he gave me his cane in order to get myself back to the office so i could buy a cane so i could get oh, home great. it was really bizarre like of all the people to walk into so it's worked out for me when i've been down a cane there always seems to be somebody there with yeah. one that i can borrow i have a broken cane story let's hear so it so i was i think in grade six or seven and someone who was in a younger grade was kind of trying to steal my cane and I was not having any of it. And I was like pulling hard on the handle and they were pulling hard on like the tip end. And then basically the elastic got stretched out to the point where if I tried <laughs> to like, how do I explain it? If I tried to have my cane on the ground and move it back and forth, like on an angle, like it would basically just like fold. Like it Be just floppy. would yeah. It was floppy, yeah. And then my mom laughed at me. So like saying, <laughs> And it took like two weeks until they could get someone to fix my cane. And at this point, it was becoming more dangerous to use my cane because I would either like lose control of it or like constantly drop it or stuff like that. And I kind of stopped using it. And I and I wasn't stopping using it because I was ashamed. It was literally just not worth it to use. And then people at my school like yelled at me to use it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it won't work. And they're like, you can figure it out. You're smart. So for two weeks, I kind of used a broken floppy cane. And as soon <laughs> as I got my new cane, I'm like, 
Yes, thank you. I am never letting you out of my sights ever again. I'm lucky that my cane has never broken. Oh, wow. So I'm lucky in that sense. But I have had other things happen because that's just how life works. Uh, When I was younger, um, I used to go to this hospital um, for checkups, doctor's visits. So we were walking onto the elevator and I had my cane upright, you know, because I didn't want to stick it into the elevator straight in case someone was in there. Plus I was also being guided. It was, you know, that time of life. And because I had it straight up and down, it was just kind of grazing the ground. And next thing you knew, it was stuck in the elevator shaft. So the tip, but the doors were closing and I, I wouldn't let go. And they were like, you let go, you know, like let go of it. So I let go of it and it fell. And the, you know, the hospital actually had to call a repairman um, on short <laughs> notice so that they could get out my cane. And then every time someone went past the checkout desk, they were like, okay, have a great day. Did you lose a cane? No have a great day did you lose a cane no and then finally they handed it to us and they're like there we go we found you so oh that reminds me of the time we went to playland with my beginnings (laughs) and i folded up my cane and put it under me while i was on a ride uh, like on the floor of the ride (laughs) except at the end of the ride my cane was gone because i guess the floor is not like it moves, in line right? with the seats, you know, it was like a spinny ride. There was a gap. I guess so. And so my cane was gone. So we had to go to customer service or lost and found or whatever to try to get a cane. And they, they gave me one, but it wasn't mine. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, this has happened to other people too. <laughs> like, no, that's not mine. And eventually I did get mine, but I just thought that was so funny that like how many blind people have lost canes at Playland. <laughs> oh, that's great come on monty hit us with so them. yeah so i've got yeah. a couple but I'll, I'll start with with the one that i thought was pretty interesting so <laughs> so like i said i i moved i spent most of my life here in in canada but i moved to the united kingdom for 12 years and when i first moved there it was to scotland and to glasgow uh there was a number of things that were different than canada like so so you know it's Canada is a Commonwealth country, and we share a lot of the same cultures and language and such. But it's not—it's not identical. There are differences, right? So there was a lot of those, right? And when I first uh, went there, I had to—there was no O and M or anything. I had to teach my myself how to get around the city. So you know, I was doing that, and I was being independent, and I had to go. I had a job, so I had to go to work. I had to go get groceries. I had to do whatever people had to do, right? And I think I noticed. Uh, well, I don't think I, I, I did notice. I noticed that people in public, when they were providing help, like, you know, if you're crossing a street and they ask you if you need any help or in a shop, I, I guess I sort of suddenly, subtly noticed that people were, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily say they were yelling at the top of their lungs, but they were definitely raising their voice and asking me in a loud tone, like, sir, do you need help? Do you need anything? Like, it was kind of like, and I just thought, wow, like in Canada, I don't know. I don't know like what's going on here, but it's, it's people asking a normal volume. And this sort of happened for, I don't know, like six months. And then uh, I don't know what happened. Um, well, I do know what happened in retrospect, but I'll, I won't spill the beans quite yet. So and then something changed. And all of a sudden, I sort of noticed people were now addressing me at a normal volume level. And there's there was everything was sort of back to normal. And then I think I 
I came to Canada on a holiday and something happened to my cane and I had to get a new cane in Canada. So I did and I went back to the UK and I remember standing at a corner about to cross a street. Someone grabbed my hand and started to like draw things and tap it and do circles <laughs> and do all kinds of weird things on my hand. Oh. And I'm like, uh, Hey, is there some, like, can I help you? And they're like, Oh, I thought you were deaf. And I said, uh, no, like I'm holding a cane. It's like three feet away from you. Not even like it's a white cane. Like they're like, no, but it has red on it. And I thought, yeah, because the bottom section of a cane bought in North mm -hmm. America has red on it because it's supposed to provide contrast in the snow and in low vision, sorry, low light situations, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they told me or if I looked it up afterwards, but in the UK, and I don't know about Canada, but in the UK, a red and white cane means you're deaf blind. And oh. so what actually happened, uh, I told you at about the six month mark, mark, people started to sort of speak at a regular volume level. It's because I got a new cane, but I got a cane in the UK. So it was fully white and there was no color confusion. And so everybody started to address me at a normal volume level. And then when I went back to Canada and had the red, you know, the red section again, it, it was loud. And it was just like, this is interesting because I, I didn't realize this was a problem. And clearly a lot of people there knew because they were, you know, shouting. And, uh, and it's interesting because that then brings up an interesting sort of question about multicolored canes. And, you know, mm. like was said earlier, that can make people feel more comfortable. I actually learned today that in Argentina, a green cane means that you're partially sighted. So oh. uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, these different colors, because it always crosses my mind. Are you are we confusing the public when we use different colored canes? Like clearly, there was a bit of a discrepancy in perception with what I was doing in the UK, but just in general, it's an interesting question, right? Mm. Yeah. I usually say when I'm doing sort of educating presentations and things that for young people or, or anyone who's kind of adjusting to using a cane, kind of like Nika mentioned the gateway cane, but if it empowers you to use a pink cane or a green cane or rainbow cane or whatever, um, it's better than no cane. And then maybe over time, you know, when you start to be more independent in, in the world and people are confused, I feel like people might just sort of move over to the standard cane. I don't know, Nika, why did it, was it just because it broke or would you get a colored cane now? Um, I would get a colored cane if I guess the opportunity came. It's just, I don't really think I need it anymore because I'm not ashamed of my cane and I don't really have that kind of mm. misconception attached to it. I will say though, considering that I am partially sighted and Argentina has that thing, maybe I should move there. <laughs> <laughs> That's really well, so, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. And it was, it was interesting because I thought, well, and it's been there for a while now. So I think, you know, the public is probably pretty clued up. I don't know what would happen mm. in any other country, but certainly that mm. one. Plus, like, if I ever do end up going to the dark side, then I guess I won't really need to spend money to buy a colored cane anyway. I can just It's use... not the dark side. It's not, and I shouldn't have said that. I know. <laughs> not on a public podcast. I was just teasing. Um, dark side referring to using a guide dog, but no. D we... for dog. 
That's right. <laughs> the D side. <laughs> yeah. So the other story that it kind of goes along with what we were saying before about broken canes. I've, I've had a lot of canes break over time. So whether usually it's at an inconvenient part of my journey, whether I'm halfway home or something, I've had to finish uh, more than one journey in my life without a cane, mm-hmm. which is, is quite you know, funny, but, uh, one time, uh, I was using the SkyTrain here in Vancouver, which is our Metro system. And I remember I was standing at, it was Nanaimo oh. station and my cane got on the SkyTrain, uh, <laughs> but the doors closed on it and I didn't, but again, I wasn't at home and it's the only cane I had. So I wasn't going to let go of it. And as it started to drive <laughs> away, I had the handle and, and the, tip end was on its way to Broadway station. And it was funny because you know how it probably all took five seconds, but it feels like it's forever at that point. Right. And so I'm, I'm standing on the platform, like it's starting to pull me and I'm like putting all my weight into it. Thankfully I'm not a small person. And so I was like really heaving. And then this lady who was standing beside me saw what I was doing too. And she, like I was, I had my, you know, I was onto the rubber grip and she started to hold on to the elasticated part of the cane. And I'm like, so there was two of us trying to get, hold on to the cane, sort of getting pulled, but eventually like I wasn't budging. The, the train was mostly out of the station. I don't know how long the cane was at this point, but the elastic, it was probably like, I don't know, 10 feet. And then all of a sudden snap and like, part one of the sections came shooting back and unfortunately cut the lady's hand because that's again when there were aluminum canes and I felt sort of bad uh in part but then I sort of thought hey like like she was trying to help so I you know I felt bad but you know what else could I do and then the other two sections near the bottom made their way to Broadway and I don't know who has those collector's items now but uh it wasn't me and again I had to uh you know struggle back home without a cane which I don't know must how that must sort of go down with everybody who thinks I'm that guy groping everything and walking really slowly and holding some empty tubes and a broken elastic. I had a a scooter roll over the bottom section of my cane on the SkyTrain platform once. And it's really scary to be on the SkyTrain platform without a cane. Yeah. Uh, And so I just, I tried to like flip the cane over to use the other three sections but i had to flip it over otherwise it wouldn't stay together you know what i mean like i had to kind of pull on the elastic so then the the handle part with with the elastic part is what i'm using on the ground which of course Mm -hmm. does not slide or it you know it's just constantly getting stuck but at least i had something to get off the platform and (laughs) find my bus and And you're hunched over because you can reach the ground yes And you know what? And let's let's not forget, SkyTrain platforms didn't always have tactile edging on them either. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So. They didn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. They do now. Yeah. They do now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had quite a few broken canes too, or the tip has broken off, which has caused the elastic to come up inside, and then it's basically yeah. useless. Um, cars rolling over the end, like yeah, so many. So interesting that you say it's useless because I don't think I've, well, at least in recent memory, I've never thrown away a broken cane. So I have a box full of cane parts and about every, I don't know, third or fourth cane, I just build a new one out of the broken pieces from older ones. So to me, uh, it may be useless at the time, but it's never useless afterwards. That's like the true recycling right there. 
Do any of you remember the dreaded pencil tip? I still use, well, I use yeah, a ceramic People use tip, it still. So it's it's not quite the pencil tip because it slides a little nicer mm-hmm. and it's a little bit thicker, but... Um, yeah, that's different. Like the, I meant the one that's like the plastic, really, really thin, oh. like won't for move. T- for touch typing, or no. For the Hoover uh, to touch two point touch technique. Thank yeah, you. so touch I'm, I'm touching my pencil tip right now. It's the only tip I use. Okay, because I. But that's, but that's because I don't slide my cane. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I always did. And then once my pencil tip, because it's thinner, it went into a like drain hole. And I like it kind of catapulted me like over it. And I'm... <laughs> so now ever. So you got a gold medal. Yeah, so, now ever, so now ever since then, I kind of just had very strong opinions on the pencil tip because of my own like, ugh. and I remember too, like the reason I was going, like leaving school with my mom because I had to get a flu shot. And then it's like, I had the pain of being catapulted. Then I had to get a needle. <laughs> Sounds like a rough day. <laughs> yeah, it's um, interesting. I mean, what? I don't, I don't know. The pencil tip has always served me very well. I don't, I've had the larger, well, no, that's not to say, so where I used to live, there was a lot of snow. And so I would use the the marshmallow tip in the snow because it it was much better in the snow than the pencil tip. Definitely. Yeah. I use different, different canes for different things. I like the the Mm -hmm. roller marshmallow tip for when I'm hiking or being like when I'm going somewhere where I know I'm being guided. Uh, And then I have the ceramic tip when I'm on my own, but do you guys have canes for different functions? Like, do you have your walking around cane that you use every yeah. day, and like your dress cane for nice yes. formal situations? My dress up cane is a blue cane. Um, and I always bring it to like fancier things, but it's now because I have my DOG, um, the blue cane has kind of just become my everyday cane because I don't use it as often. Yeah, I always sort of buy a new cane before I quite need one and think, well, this will be my dress up for good cane, but then it never ends up lasting because <laughs> then I need it. <laughs> so my cane's pretty beaten up. I, I, I got like a cane that folds into six sections and I thought, well, that'll be really handy for when I'm going out because I can actually put it in my purse except that it's way more to fold up. So, you know, when you're yeah, thicker, wanna, right? Yeah, it just, yeah, that too, but it just takes longer to fold. And then there's more sections that kind of can jam and I don't know, it's just not as practical. So mm-hmm. don't they make like, I'm not sure if I remember someone was talking about their cane and at first I thought it was an IED cane, but apparently it was a mobility cane that was just really, really, really thin and light and it was telescopic. Yeah, that's the one I was going to talk about too, because like I know a couple people who've had that. I've tried to use that one too, Nika, but I find, well, I mean, I guess this is a funny cane story. You'll be walking, walking, walking. And if you hit uh, a curb, it'll kind of boing and like telescope on itself while you're walking. <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't know, because it, you know, it's meant to kind of like, just fold into itself into like a little circle sort yeah, of. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Maybe that would be good for like kind of formal like functions, like where you're just like walking, like not walking yeah. a lot. 
Interesting. I find, yeah, my, my dress cane is a telescoping cane because I, I, I wouldn't use it on a daily basis because I find them to be too fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do telescope like you were saying. They do. They That's point the worst. Yeah. yeah. I was using one recently because I, I've got some kind of tennis elbow going on and I was trying to use a lighter cane, but it was so frustrating because I don't know, it felt like every five minutes or so I'd have to stop and stretch it out again and pull it hard and, <laughs> and then carry on. And then the end would come in on itself again. <laughs> and yeah. It's driving me crazy. They don't have the best tips either of those ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could all agree that the cane has gotten us places that we may not normally have managed to get to, like the front of lines and things like that, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. for I've I've been uh, new numerous times. I've been upgraded to first class, whether it's been on an airplane or a train, and I don't think that would have necessarily happened if I didn't have a white cane. Uh, I've managed to. Uh, avoid long, long lineups at concerts. I've gotten to go sit in the front row of a Canucks game so that I could quote, see better. (laughs) And, uh, you know, things like that. Um, it's, 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 I managed to one time I managed to get a free three hour bus ride uh, out of a concert that was deep in the Fraser Valley. And I managed to get back uh, to Vancouver at two in the morning without having a ticket. And just because I had a white cane they let me on for free so you know it's it's fantastic i don't know if we should say that the pros outweigh the cons or you know anything like that but uh it's quite useful to have that right agreed mm-hmm. but sure. at the same time actually no i agree well. <laughs> it's not like we're out in the world hoping for freebies yeah. or anything yeah. but when it happens it's 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 a nice perk. Absolutely. I feel if like. you want me to sit at the front of the plane, I'll sit at the front of the plane. That's, that's fine. Yeah. They just needed to keep an eye on you or something. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> With free drinks. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me for this conversation. It's been uh, fun to reminisce about the crazy things that have happened with our canes. And I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, I love being on this episode and I don't think I've laughed so much on a podcast ever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for no, it. Was great. Happy white cane week to you all. Happy white cane week. Happy white cane week. Happy white cane week. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please leave us a rating, like, subscribe, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.